Alrighty, all yours, Beth. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a school for a course in miracles. Uh, first of all, I want to show my gratitude to Tim and Lynn for this forum that we're able to meet and talk about this information provided by Jesus. And all of you, thank all of you for being here and for all of your input. It all always is helpful. Um, I just want to say that I, I had a lesson planned, <laughs> and I had it all planned, lesson 128. Um, when I had to put my dog down, that was the lesson that Jesus used with me, and um, it was great. It was a three-week teaching about that, no sacrifice, and I, I was going to use that. I had it all ready. I was going to use it, and Sunday night at about 9 p.m., Holy Spirit changed the whole thing. And so this is, so we're going to take a look at um, only God's plan for salvation will work, which is lesson 71, but we're going to start with a meditation and we're going to use lesson 68, love holds no grievances. So evidently grievances are what are the topic that we're supposed to be talking about. So, um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read Lesson 68. There are, let's see, there are seven paragraphs. I'm going to read through it, and, and um, you do what you want to do. Sit back, relax, close your eyes, open your eyes, whatever whatever works for you. The goal, I guess, is to have this information permeate the mind so that when we move on to Lesson 71, we're, we are well-established in our understanding of grievance. All right, so here we go. Uh, relax, and I'm um, going to start reading. This is Lesson 68, Love Holds No Grievances. You who were created by love like itself and hold no grievances and know yourself. To hold a grievance is to forget who you are. To hold a grievance is to see yourself as a body. To hold a grievance is to let the ego rule your mind and to condemn the body to death. Perhaps you do not yet fully realize just what holding grievances does to your mind. It seems to split you off from your source and make you unlike him. It makes you believe that he is like what you think you have become, for no one can conceive of his creator as unlike himself. Shut off from yourself, which remains aware of its likeness to its creator, yourself seems to sleep, while part of your mind that weaves illusions in its sleep appears to be awake. And all this arise from holding grievances? Oh yes, for he who holds grievances denies he was created by love. And his creator has become fearful to him in his dream of hate. Who can dream of hatred and not fear God? It is as sure that those who hold grievances will redefine God in their own image, as it is certain that God created them like himself and defined them as part of him. It is as sure that those who hold grievances will suffer guilt, as it is certain that those who forgive will find peace. 
It is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are, as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. Would you not be willing to relinquish your grievances if you believe all this were so? Perhaps you do not think you can let your grievances go. That, however, is simply a matter of motivation. Today, we will try to find out how you would feel without them. If you succeed, even by ever so little, there will never be a problem in motivation ever again. Begin today's extended practice period by searching your mind for those against whom you hold what you regard as major grievances. Some of these will be quite easy to find. Then think of the seemingly minor grievances you hold against those you like and even think you love. It will quickly become apparent that there is no one against whom you do not cherish grievances of some sort. This has left you alone in all of the universe in your perception of yourself. Determine now to see all these people as friends. Say to them all, thinking of each one in turn as you do so. I would see you as my friend, that I may remember you are part of me and come to know myself. Spend the remainder of the practice period trying to think of yourself as completely at peace with everyone and everything, safe in a world that protects you and loves you and that you love in return. Try to feel safety surrounding you, hovering over you, and holding you up. Try to believe, however briefly, that nothing can harm you in any way. At the end of the practice period, tell yourself, love holds no grievances. When I let my grievances go, I will know I am perfectly safe. The short practice period should include a quick application of today's idea in this form. Whenever any thought of grievance ar arises against anyone, physically present or not, love holds no grievances. Let me not betray myself. In addition, repeat the idea several times an hour in this form. Love holds no grievances. I would wake to myself by laying all my grievances aside and waking in him. Let's take a couple minutes.
gently come back. Before we move on, anybody have any comments they want to make before we start? Green. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> During my meditation, what came to me is I've always thought I wanted a tattoo. And in the in my meditation it says, yeah, I'm going to get a tattoo that says love holds no grievances. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, this is like such a it like covers all bases. It says it all. It's it's, it's so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Marie. Anyone else? Okay, um, we're going to take a look at uh, Lesson 71. But first, I want to go to Chapter 18, uh, Section 7, uh, page 388 in the text, I Need Do Nothing. Um, we're going to take a look at Paragraph 6, excuse me, the last sentence in Paragraph 5, and then we'll look at Paragraph 6. Um, this is one of my favorite sections in, um, or this paragraph, because it really speaks to the course and just the course alone. It's trying to keep us only looking at what Jesus's or what God's plan for salvation is. Don't step outside of that into something else. And um, it's a great reminder. And Ken's comments on it are, are obviously very good. So I'm going to... Um, we're going to take a look, look at this. I'm just going to read it to you and then go through what Ken has to say about it. But I think Would it's you give crucial. that uh, page, page number and paragraph again for the ADD crowd? Okay. <laughs> uh, page 388 in the text. And we're going to take a look at uh, uh, sentence 7 in paragraph 5 and then all of paragraph 6. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm just going to read it and then um, tell you what Ken's comments are and then see if you have anything to add to it. So, um, so paragraph five, sentence seven, when peace comes at last to those who wrestle with temptation and fight against the giving into sin, when the light comes at last into the mind given to comp contemplation, or when the goal is finally achieved by anyone, it always comes with just one happy realization. I need do nothing. Here is the ultimate release, which everyone will one day find in his own way at his own time. You do not need this time. Time has been saved for you because you and your brothers are together. This is the special means this course is using to save you time. You are not making use of the course if you insist on using means which have served others well, neglecting what was made for you. Save time for me by only this one preparation and practice doing nothing else. I need do nothing is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. Believe it for just one instant and you will accomplish more than is given to a century of contemplation or a struggle against temptation. And uh, Ken's comments, um, he says, Jesus is asking us to remain faithful to the specific path on which he guides us. We need do nothing but 
Follow his guidance to smile gently at the ego's silliness, thereby forgiving it. To focus on the body or world, attempting to do something about them, makes the error of separation real. Such misplaced focus is the ego's clever purpose for the body, distracting us from the decision-making mind that is the source of both problem and answer. So what I get from this is, you know, you don't need to fast, you don't need to meditate, you don't need to chant, you don't need to um, sit in contemplation, you don't need to do all of the other things at the level of body that all of the other spiritualities tell you that you should. He's giving us one really tool, and that is forgiveness. And that's what he wants us to stick with. And I, I, he had, he, he made a comment about line, um, I think it was line five. You are not making use of the course if you insist on using means which have served others well, neglecting what was made for you. And he said, in, interestingly, the first line above, which was is this particular line, because he didn't comment on the other two or the others. Uh, the first line above was echoed years later in a personal message to Helen when she was becoming angry at someone's misrepresentation of the course. Jesus said to his scribe, don't take another's path as your own, but neither should you judge it. And I just thought that was, it's about our paths. It's about how different our paths are. My path is different from yours. My form is different from yours, obviously. Our content might be the same, but certainly the form is very different. I just kind of got a kick out of this, though. Imagine Jesus telling you, <laughs> Jesus kind of saying to him, Helen, enough. Some, in your mind, Jesus is telling you enough. And this is what Helen, um, this is what Jesus said to Helen. And it really, it, it's for all of us. We don't really know what we're seeing when we see each other. We have no idea. And, and really a great line in the course, and you don't have to go there. It's on chapter 12, section one. It's paragraph two, just the one sentence. He says, the analysis of ego motivation is very complicated, very obscuring, and never without your own ego involvement. So whenever I'm judging someone else, I'm judging myself. It's my ego involvement that is the problem. And I just found this really that there's actually a lot of different things in this particular paragraph, but but I, and I didn't even think about that one until I read all of all of Ken's comments. So the two things I get out of this is number one, we we've been given a path, and that is the path of forgiveness, and that's it. There's nothing else. And we're going to take a look at only God's plan for uh, salvation will work, which is he's he has a plan and he's asking us not to to look at the ego's plan for salvation, which is specialness. Look at only mine, which is forgiveness. So um, I felt this paragraph kind of fell right into what we were talking about. Are there any comments about this? Marissa. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, I I need do nothing is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. Uh, this is pointing to <laughs> our uh, rusty pipes that have rusted over for millennia and they're starting to get cleaned out and he is going to pour forth 
into us and we just need to get out of the way. So the, the rustiness is just those little ego bits that are still in the pipe that need to be cleaned out so that we need do nothing <laughs> to let him come through and to uh, not interfere. And the undivided loyalty will just come automatically. That is uh, because you changed your purpose, purpose, you made the decision to change the purpose. Um, and that undivided, truly undivided loyalty just really stands out to me today. I think that that is um, what happens when I when you commit to doing nothing through your ego and uh, not interfere. Thanks, Marissa. Anyone else? I see that undivided loyalty to forgiveness. That is my path. My path is forgiveness. And so it's a, I'm a, a statement of allegiance. I need do nothing. And, and as Ken says, on, on the level of form, you don't have to do anything. On the level of mind, forgiveness is part of it. And that's why grievances, looking at your grievances is very important. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Anybody else? Okay, let's go to lesson 71. It's on page 121 in the workbook. I think Abe had something, Beth. Oh, I'm sorry, Abe. Did you have something? Yeah, just a, a simple idea. Uh, I think, you know, uh, I need to do nothing. It's the same thing as get out of the way. Just stop it. Get out <laughs> of the way because anything you can think of doing is going to mess things up. That's it. Thanks. Thanks, Abe. Yeah, I know. I I, I picked 128 to do today because it's something that spirit has been working with me on. Um, and last Sunday night, I realized, no, I need to get out of the way. Spirit has something else that it wants me to convey. So I totally agree with that. Okay, so we are on page uh, 121, lesson 71, only God's plan for salvation will work. And Lynn, can you read paragraph one for us, please? Yeah. Only God's plan for salvation will work. You may not realize that the ego has set up a plan for salvation in opposition to God's. It is this plan in which you believe. Since it is the opposite of God's, you also believe that to accept God's plan in place of the egos is to be damned. This sounds preposterous, of course. Yet after you have considered just what the ego's plan is, perhaps you will realize that however preposterous it may be, you do believe it. This reminds me of the laws of chaos where, you know, at the end of it, he says, brother, you do believe this. And uh, I think, feel this, the first step in this whole process is we have to actually see that we do believe the ego's plan. We have to become aware of it 
because it's going on all the time until we actually see, oh, I get what he means. Brother, you do believe this. I do believe that being different from my brother and separate from my brother is my salvation. It is my preservation of my individuality. It is the preservation of my specialness. And it can be very subtle because the ego goes underground when it knows we're up to really taking a look. So thanks for kind of going back into this, Beth, and looking at the real core of the problem, which is our belief in our grievances. Thanks. Thanks, Lynn. Anyone else? Yes, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, it was like last night when I read that first section in chapter 31. How simple is salvation? The truth is true and nothing else exists. And, you know, when you read these things, it's so apparent that he's right and that I'm wrong. But yet, it's my resistance to letting go. It's not, I don't even know if it's the fear anymore. Maybe it is, but it's just, I guess it's the fear of losing this individual self that I think I am. But it, it's, it's so plain and so clear. And, you know, when you were reading Lesson 68, I thought, you know, I should just spend, instead of doing one lesson every day, I should do that lesson every day <laughs> until I get it until I get it and maybe then things would change instead of hopscotching around and getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Cause I think sometimes that's what happens. I just get ahead of myself thinking I'm further along than I am when I'm really stuck in all my grievances, you know? And, you know, again, Jesus is just using words, but it's, that grievance is my misinterpretation of who I am, who my brother is, of the changing of the truth. You know, that's what the grievance is. So, yeah. Thanks, Beth, for reading that lesson um, before you read this one. Thanks, David. Anyone else? I liked it when he said, perhaps you will realize it, meaning perhaps you won't realize it. <laughs> You might not get it today. <laughs> Marissa? Yeah, just picking up on what David was saying about resistance. Um, when I was reading Undivided Loyalty, uh, it was really hard for me to reread that sentence. It was, I started stuttering a little bit and it was like, excruciating for me to read it and I just think that I just it's the the ego is is like saying no no don't go there <laughs> don't don't remind yourself of this undivided loyalty and I could barely spit it out it was the oddest thing just now I mean a few minutes ago <laughs> but anyway I just wanted to um concur with David about resistance you know so thanks Thanks, Marissa. Anyone else? Okay, let's go on to paragraph two. Um, 
Uh, Barbara, could you read paragraph? Oh, wait, actually, Barbara, wait one second. I just want to see what Ken says about that. some really good comments. These are his comments about sentence one and two. He says, uh, most of us do not think when living our special love and hate relationships that we are actively choosing against God. That is why Jesus asks in the text that if we knew our special relationships were a triumph over God, would we want them? And so he's relating this to, to the ego's um, the ego's plan for our salvation is our special relationships, which I think most of us on the screen. I mean, I chuckled at that. I thought it was kind of funny when I when I read that, and it's probably because I've been reading this enough to realize that it that is kind of funny. It talks about the pain and misery in the world, yet that somehow is, according to the ego, is going to be our salvation. So. Um, but Ken pointing that out was very helpful in our special relationships. Uh, the ego's plan for salvation is special relationships. God's plan for salvation is uh, forgiveness. And then for sentence three, he says, um, it, the sentence three is, uh, since it, the ego's plan for salvation, is the opposite of God's, we also believe that to accept God's plan in place of the ego's is to be damned. He says, this is what we believe. If we accept God's plan and forgive, our, individual, our individuality is over and we are damned to eternal oblivion. And I think, Marissa, maybe that's why we had a difficult time reading that one. Um, and then his last comment is on sentence four and five. Uh, this sounds preposterous, of course. Yet after we have considered just what the ego's plan is, perhaps you will realize that however preposterous it may be, you do believe in it. And Ken says, Jesus knows we believe in the ego's plan because we believe we are here. This means we believe projection is salvation, for it protects us from the mind's atonement principle, the home of the memory of God's love. So projection is our salvation. It protects us uh, from uh, having to give up our individuality. It, it, it protects us from having to give up separation. Projection is the ego's plan for salvation. Keep us in the world and, and we'll be happy that way. We'll be happy because the ego will, will be saved. Okay, uh, now we're going to go on to send, uh, paragraph two. Um, Barbara, would you please read paragraph two for us? Sure, thank you. The ego's plan for salvation centers around holding grievances. It maintains that if someone else spoke or acted differently, if some external circumstance or event were changed, you would be saved. Thus, the source of salvation is constantly perceived as outside yourself. Each grievance you hold is a declaration and an assertion in which you believe that says, if this were different, I would be saved. The change of mind necessary for salvation is thus demanded of everyone and everything except yourself. Yep, that's what we do. <laughs> Every moment of the day, practically. I, I mean, how, how often, if we truly were honest with ourselves and we analyze, and that's a tricky word, I get it, um, <laughs> look closely at what we do. We we are seeking out salvation in all other things. 
you know, the right kind of food that makes you healthy, the the pill that takes away the chest pain, the um the the money to to I don't know, buy the things, do this, all of this, or the behavior. We look for particular behavior in somebody else and that's going to make us feel good, feel better. Um and life will be grand, you know, it's the happy dream on earth. Um, but yeah, but yeah. And, and it's just, um, when you recognize that you're doing it, it changes the whole picture. It may not change the fact that you're still doing it, but your awareness of it helps you recognize how profoundly embedded you are in the value that you've placed on it. And, and that's, that's 90% of the solution, being aware of it. Because you can't make any changes if you're unconscious of how much you're doing that and how much it occurs. And sometimes... It's helpful for me to, to see it happening in others or in other circumstances. Sometimes that's helpful for me to then be able to pull it around and apply it to myself, that I can then recognize it in me. Even though I know that's, you know, ultimately I know that's all me creating this scenario but um but if i see it as an issue that appears to be with somebody else the reality is that issue is with me and that's when i have to um be honest with myself and look closely at why you know and etc but anyway thank you Thanks, How many Barbara. times did I click the donate button this morning? <laughs> Barb had, had click karma this morning. <laughs> uh, twice. Twice. <laughs> There's two things that uh, Barbara said. The first one is recognize. And Marissa, I don't know if you remember at the retreat, we were coming up with three R's. And, and I think that we had established that recognition. You first have to recognize what you're doing. If you don't even, and I think that that, before the course, I never recognized these sorts of things. The course has brought me to that recognition to really look at what I'm thinking. So thank you um, for that, Barbara. I appreciate that. Any other comments? Yes, David. That's why our brother is our savior. Mm -hmm. He shows us what mm -hmm. needs to be healed in us. Mm -hmm. He's just a reflection of me. Mm -hmm. And that when Barbara and you were talking about that, I thought that's why the, he's our that's why he's there. He's our savior, our brother, mm -hmm. because we don't see it in ourselves, but we can see it in others. Mm -hmm. And then if we recognize it's really not them, it's me, mm -hmm. then I can take it to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But how often do we resist that? I mean, there are moments when I can see, accept, take it to the Holy Spirit. And um, and feel the forgiveness, but there are there are other times when I am watching the movie screen, 
and fully aware that I'm in ego mode and I am I am just blatantly going to defy Holy Spirit and do it anyway. And and you know, because and I guess what I'm truly realizing about myself, you know, and Ken has mentioned it periodically throughout all of his instruction is I guess I'm just not ready. At that moment in time, I'm not ready to let go of that need for specialness, to let go of that need to be in control. Um, even though I can see it and all I have to do, but this internal just um, doesn't, doesn't want to let go. And I can see it. I can feel it. I can experience it. And then I, and I can be upset with myself because that's not truly what I want, but I do it anyway. It's just, it's an internal frustration, but anyway, so I'm still learning, but. Thank you, Barbara. And that know thyself. Thank you, David, for bringing that up. I totally forgot that. The know thyself is such an important lesson in this particular paragraph. Wow. Is this a know thyself paragraph? When we want to judge others, we forget that they're just aspects of us. That's it. They're, they're not separate from them. And, um, and I forget it all the time. And I, I love the recognition that both of you brought up and the fact that, that that is exactly what this paragraph is talking about, the know thyselves. Thank you for that. Um, Lynn, you had your hand up. Yeah. Um, at, at one point, I started through the course writing down all the questions that Jesus asked us to ask ourselves. And one of them is, how willing are you to forgive your brother? Mm -hmm. And um, so to carry that question through the day, which I did for a little while, um, how willing am I to forgive my brother? Um, it, what it brought up was how unwilling I was to forgive my brother. And that's really what has to be seen. You know, we're all talking about, you know, admitting to ourselves what we really believe so that we can ask the Holy Spirit because we can't change it. You know, I can't fix that myself, but I can see, you know, the resistance to doing that. And um, and he says that question is the same question as do I want the peace of God? How willing am I to forgive my brother is the same as am I willing to have and know the peace of God. So it's, you know, he tied it together in, in that one place of just, you know, if we want peace, we are going to have to forgive our brother. Yeah. Thank, thanks. Thanks, Lynn. Abe? Yeah, uh, during the meditation uh, for today's, uh, the lesson that you read, I, you know, whenever I, I do uh, those kind of exercises and they ask for to think of an enemy, there's always this one political figure that comes up for me. And uh, I have, uh, I realize that my mind is creating it. And yet, and yet I really want to see him nailed to the wall. Uh, and, but, but when, you know, occasionally I can get past that and realize that what I am really doing is that I believe that attack 
I can get, I can be happy and peaceful by attacking. That in fact, I attack my brother and that's how I become peaceful, which is obviously an oxymoron. And, but, and, and so I have a debt to this politician for allowing me to see that within myself. But I tell you, every time I do the exercise, he just shows up again. Um, uh, but, but it, you know, so I, I sort of swing both ways here. <laughs> I want to see him nailed to the wall, but I also am grateful that he allows me to see what my, my erroneous thoughts are doing. Thanks. Thanks, Abe. Great example for this paragraph. Thank you. Anybody else? I just want to look at... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I saw this movie a long time ago, and I don't remember the movie. I don't remember what it was about. I don't even remember the actor, but I rem remember him screaming to the heavens, I defy you, gods. I defy you. I mean, and it, that's the powerful line I remember. That's what we say to God all the time. That's what every act of resistance, every special relationship is me saying to God, I defy you. I resist you. I'm going to do it my own damn way. <laughs> I defy you, gods. God knows what that movie was. Now I got to look it up. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. That is, and, and even and let me read what Ken says. Ken says, in the interpretation of dreams, Freud set forth his theory that all dreams are fulfillments of wishes. Jesus would take this same principle and expand it to all dreams, sleeping and waking. The physical universe is a macrocosm, and our individual world is a microcosm. We're specifically made to fulfill the ego's secret wish of maintaining the separation, but shifting responsibility for it to others. We can't stand that guilt, so we have to project it. And it, it's like sentence two, I think, for me, was so powerful. It maintains that if someone else spoke or acted differently, if some external circumstance or event were changed, you would be saved. I'm 62 years old, and this has never worked for me. I was never saved if something happened in the external world. And so I, I, when, I read it, when I read this, I laugh because I know this doesn't work. Is not I've never experienced this working. I experience releasing my grievance as my peace, but certainly blaming somebody in the world for something has never worked for me. So um, it, this is this paragraph really takes you to that know thyself. It takes you right to chapter eight, section three, and and you know I, I don't I think it's paragraph five, and I it's, I memorize it because it's really helpful for me to know that when I'm judging you. That's a judgment on myself. It has nothing to do with you because there is no you. But obviously, it's an opportunity for forgiveness, if I can remember. Anybody else? Any comments on? Yes, Barbara. I just um, all of this conversation is taking me back to today's meditation that that you shared, lesson um, sixty-eight, specifically on page one sixteen. Paragraph six, and I'll read it. It's the, in quotation, um, sentence three. I would see you as my friend that I may remember you are part of me and come to know myself. So just, you know, reinforce every, 
everything that everyone has said about, um, like Dave had said about um, our our brother is our salvation, and all of those things, and and it's recognizing, remembering that you, my brother, is part of me, and that's how I come to know myself. So it just everything just keeps drawing me back. That that statement grabbed me when you read it during the meditation. And it's just for me, as we sit here, it's really interweaving itself within this whole conversation. I just want to share that. Thank you, Barbara. Anyone else? It was Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> when he gets to the whatever the chapel and he finds Juliet dead, that's what he screams to the heaven. I defy you gods. And then he kills himself. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Lorraine? Yeah, kind of related to what you and Abe spoke about that, you know, when Abe said that my ego believes that if I attack someone, I'll be at peace. And, and then what you said and what came in, I know there's some place in some sentence in the course that talks about I'm going to bring in the attack forces. It's like when I decide, no, I am going to hold on to that. It's like it almost increases more. It's like I'm going to really hold on and then the troops come in and now it's like bigger and bigger and bigger at least in when my experience. And yet if I'm in that, from that meditation, you know, it's like realizing if I choose the Holy Spirit mind system, that that love, that forgiveness can, can that's what can grow. So when I, when I, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Lorraine. Anyone else? Okay, let's take a look at paragraph three. Uh, David Delaplane, will you read paragraph three for us? Sure. Thank you. Paragraph three? Yeah, paragraph three. The role assigned to your own mind in this plan, then, is simply to determine what other than itself must change if you are to be saved. According to this insane plan, any perceived source of salvation is acceptable provided that it will not work. This ensures the fruitless search will continue for the illusion persists that although this hope has always failed, there are still grounds to hope that in other places and in other things, another person will yet serve better, another situation will yet offer success. It sounds like just the roundabout of trying to find an alternate plan of salvation than yeah. God, because we want to uh, maintain our independence. And when we, it doesn't work when we find it in one, then we try another plan rather than backing off and saying, I give it to God and let God's plan work. We just keep trying other efforts somehow to avoid God's plan. And I'm not sure why we do that, but that's what happens with the ego.
Thank you, David. Anyone else? Comments on paragraph three? Okay, well, Ken, uh, after sentences one and two, he says, seek and do not find, obviously. Uh, that's what those two sentences are telling us. If we're going to look in the external world for our peace, for our salvation, it's not there, unfortunately. Um, we need to really change where we look. And then sent sentences three and four, he says, if we are truly honest with ourselves, we will realize we are doing precisely what has been described. Therefore, the last thing we want to do is embrace this course totally, both intellectually and in practice. Instead, we want to compromise its teachings so that it would fail to help us exactly what we just read, which is the essence of the ego special. Any comments about anything before we move on to paragraph four? Paragraph four, Vicki, can you read paragraph four for us, please? Yes. Such is the ego's plan for your salvation. Surely you can see how it is in strict accord with the ego's basic doctrine, seek but do not find. But what could more surely guarantee that you will not find salvation than to channelize all your efforts in searching for it where it is not. Sounds like uh, more of paragraph three. Um, and the fruitless search. Um, I think the fact that the Course teaches us that we have another way, that we have a better way, um, I, I feel like through this um, class that I felt grateful for two minds. I didn't know I had another mind. All I knew was the ego mind that was doing all the fruitless searching and I didn't know it was fruitless for years and years and years. Um, so I'm grateful for the mind of forgiveness and that I can utilize it whenever I want. Thank you, Vicki. Anyone else? Bruce? I, I'm just flashing on. Years ago, I remember seeing a little card that someone had printed up and it says, how do you keep a moron busy for hours? And then a little arrow says over. You flip it over and it says, how do you keep a moron busy for hours? And it says, oh, the little arrow says over. And, <laughs> and I, I think that once again, Jesus is poking such gentle, benevolent, kind-hearted, even, even spirited, you know, non-derisive non laughter and lampooning our egos until we get it, you know, and it, but it just takes so much, so much coming from so many different angles, but, but, you know, it's, it, those last, this par last paragraph or two is like, seek, but do not find, you know, how, how ridiculous is that? But every time we look for something that we know going in is going to be a failure, it's like, why do I keep doing this? You know, you know, it feels so good when I stop banging my head against the wall. You know? but he's trying to be as gentle as he can, but persistent, saying, "You know, you know, this isn't going to work. You, you, you know, I know this is not going to work. You know, keep, keep keep trying to find something peace where it's never going to be found. Well, you can change the the window dressing on it. You can you can 
pretty it up and make it look, you know, you've spray painted a turd gold, but it's still a turd, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's what we keep doing with the ego. You know, it's just, it's crazy, but we keep doing it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Lynn? This is so completely uncompromising and unequivocal. The, you know, he not only tells us we want peace, but that it's the only thing that can be found. This is le lesson 200, first, first paragraph, sentence five. There is nothing else for you to find except the peace of God, unless you seek for misery and pain. Everything else comes out of that peace. That peace is the, the only thing that we really want and need to find. And yet, I mean, who can believe that? There are so many things to <laughs> look for and want. And <laughs> nope, it's the only thing you want. <laughs> the audacity to say that. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. Abe? My uh, former place of work, there was a saying that I will, uh, sort of grew fond of, and it says, premise number one, I like to beat my head against the wall. Premise number two, because I feel so good when I stop doing it. So I feel like kind of that's the ego's trap. We... It, there, it throws us the crumbs every once in a while when the pain diminishes. Oh, it says, oh, yeah, what I'm doing here in the world is working. But then I go back right back and pounding the wall. And on we go. Thanks. Thank you, Abe. Anyone else? How often do you use the word channelize? I think I'm going to go back to what Lorraine said. I'm going to have a tattoo on my forehead. <laughs> it says, are you channelizing again? <laughs> Question <laughs> mark. Bruce, I was thinking about tattoos earlier, Tim. We must have been on the same wavelength because I was thinking, gee, if if the ego's propaganda is suggests something equivalent to, I just needed everyone in the world to have a tattoo that says "Be kind to Bruce" and and you know go, go along with Bruce's plan, right? But the Holy Spirit says, no, you just need to do something the equivalent of, don't, don't do this surgically, but the equivalent of, of, you know, tattoo your retina so that everywhere you look, you say, oh, this is my projection. I need to forgive myself for this projection and, and, and for making a, you know, a, a crazy condemning uh, reflection of a condemning thought system. And it's the thought system that's the problem. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's in my mind. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Else it. Uh, Barbara, did you have your hand up? I did, yes. Just something that I noted. It's a little bit, it's on track, but different. Um, talking about God's plan and the heading, only God's plan for salvation will work. And as we were conversing, it, it something came to my attention that we have God and God's plan, but we've also created an ego God, and there's an ego God's plan, which is a lot of this stuff, the seek and, it's all of that stuff, seek and don't find, etc. 
And I, I just, you know, I, I reflect on some of my family members and kind of their focus with religion and how they, how they supported and presented and stuff like that. And it just became real apparent to me um, what it looks like in following the ego God's plan and, and following Course in Miracles God's plan. And, and it just, um, I just, felt a need to remind people of a distinction and it can become a slippery slope, I think. And that's why I'm bringing it up that the fortunate thing is we realize our little cluster of friends here, um, what God's plan is, Course in Miracles God. But, um, but our brother may be following and we still do it too. We may not call it that, but um, when I, I'm, I'm just reflecting specifically on one of my sisters who, you know, they'll talk about, um, you know, God's influence in this and pray to God for this and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it just, just became very apparent as we're doing this, that we need to remember or be sure that we are clear on the behavior of the ego's God and, and the true God. That's, that's all. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that or, or whatever. And, and that's fine. But um, it was just a, a, an observation, a distinction that became real clear to me and just wanted to share. Thank you, Barbara. Anybody else? Hey, let's go on to paragraph, I think we just did four. Let's go on to paragraph five. Uh, David Dempsey, can you please read paragraph five for us? Yes. God's plan for salvation works simply because by following his direction, you seek for salvation where it is. But if you are to succeed, as God's promises you will, you must be willing to seek there only. Otherwise, your purpose is divided and you will attempt to follow two plans for salvation that are diametrically opposed in all ways. The result can only bring confusion, misery, and deep sense of failure and despair. Yeah, you know, I was sitting here and I was listening to Barb earlier and she said we hang on to the, the film that's going on. And that's my problem is I'm not willing to let the, the story go. I think I have to analyze it. You know, in the beginning of the Taurus, of course, it tells us we have to be willing to let go of everything we thought we knew. And that's my bodily thoughts, the hearing of the world. If I let all that go, then there's nothing but peace. And I'm not willing to let all that go. And I, where the ego traps me is to keep doing something rather than just sit in peace clear all that stuff away and sit in peace. That's my natural state, but I don't think so. I think that I'm in the chaos of this world. And then the other thing that jumped out is when Abe was saying um, about the political figure that came up. I had that same instance. It wasn't with a political figure, 
But in that moment, I realized how much, if that's a reflection of myself, how much I must really hate myself. And that was a very sobering moment. And so I've been asking Holy Spirit with help for that for a while now. And slowly and surely, I'm starting to become more kind and gentle with myself. And then that's reflected out into what I see. But it got to go in first. It's always about in, not out. And that's where what he's talking about right here is we keep looking out and not looking at the discourse that's in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, there again. It's so clear and so simple. But I'm not willing to do it, you know. And that's, like Tim was saying, that's just saying the hell with God, you know, I know better than you. It's, it's almost not resistance anymore. It's almost defiance. So, thanks. Thank you, David. Anyone else? I was thinking about how crazy the whole seek but do not find. I mean, if I saw anybody else doing that, it's like Bruce's story about the guy looking for his car keys in the yard when he's left him in the house and he's locked himself out, but he's still going to find them in the, in the yard. I mean, this is what we're doing all the time. The amount of, of psychotic <laughs> goings on inside of me to make me believe, you know, like you say to somebody, well, that, that's not, how is that working for you? And they, and they insist they're trying to find peace. No, I was trying to find peace, but it was their fault. It didn't work. I mean, it's just so, it's such a, a trap on, on, a, on a cosmic scale of this self-delusion of saying, yeah, I really want peace. And I'm, then I'm doing everything else I can do not to find it. I'm looking for it in the front yard. <laughs> it's in the house. <laughs> stop it. Like Abe said, stop it. <laughs> stop looking for it where it's not. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Marissa? That was Bob Newhart's Stop It. <laughs> so good to see that again. Uh, just to kind of pick up on what Abe and David were saying, um, I, I just think, yeah, once we see where we are stashing our guilt in a person or situation, we look at it with the ego and it's serious. And then, then we need to look at it, give it over, and then it becomes silly it's it's uh not serious anymore it's silly and i think having humor on our journey and bruce often brings humor into it our forums is so important um it just lightens up our load and and we realize okay uh, the ego is always serious and i don't have to be serious i i can be serious and devoted to my journey, but I don't have to live my life being shocked and serious all the time because that's the, how the ego feeds itself. But um, I'll, I'll just share a little a little uh, experience I had. I, I had a dream last night. I actually woke up and then went back to sleep and dreamt that uh, I asked Jesus. I said, "So, <laughs> how do how do I get rid of the ego? How how do we get rid of the ego?" And he said. Well, it's like a pig having gas. 
in my dream, he said this, and he used a different word than gas. And I was shocked in the dream. I said, what you, you're telling me that <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and I was appalled at the word he used and I refused to take him seriously. But anyway, I just thought I would add that little humorous comment of <laughs> a bit of a dream <laughs> that to not take it so seriously. That's what it, it told me. If I asked him, that's what his, he was trying to, to tell me at least, but <laughs> anyway, thanks for letting me share that. Thank you, Marissa. Lorraine, did you have your hand up? Yes, thank you. Yeah, relating to everything that everybody is saying, thank you so much. Um, what was coming to me, kind of what David was saying and, and Barbara and Abe, um, that this tendency of aligning with the ego mind system to figure things out and use that mind system in situations and in circumstances and it's seek and do not find but the i'm going to keep trying to find the answer and what to do and what to say and so i was reminded in relating to barbara my um my husband's family is orthodox jewish and i've had always in our <laughs> in our time together a challenge in when i have to go to these different um, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and weddings and these these orthodox jewish things and it's always like this mental preparation of okay how am i going to be in this situation like hold on like get yourself together and like know what you're going to say and how you're going to be and how you're going to dress and even going to their homes and there's all this tension and and realizing how separate I feel when I'm with them. And, and so like, if I just let go of, of I and take on, I need do nothing. I need do nothing. And I just need to be love. Then there's nothing I need to do in any of those situations, figure them out, how I'm going to be, how I'm going to dress, how I'm going to say and relate to them. I just need do nothing but be that love. So thank you. Thank you, Lorraine. Anyone else? I wanted to ask Marissa, what did Jesus look like? <laughs> uh, he, he was the bearded fellow that I have in a painting. So I, I guess he appeared to me as someone that I could recognize, but uh, it was more of, more of a presence than, than a look. But yeah, it was. Did he smile when he said that? Sorry. <laughs> did he smile when he said that? Yes, yes, he did. He had an inner smile, <laughs> absolutely, and he was not affronted by my being affronted. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Wait, what?" <laughs> anyway, so so I'm guessing that Marissa's. Uh, experience with the dream could be distilled down to, in coarse jargon, the ego is nothing more than a fearful, flatulent thought, right? Is that what resolves? Thank you, Bruce, for bringing that in. It's very important. <laughs> that it is. 
I just want to read Ken's comments before we go on. Um, these are his comments about sentences one and two. He says, that is the catch. Everyone who studies A Course in Miracles will say, of course I want to follow the Holy Spirit. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is the meaning of God here in this particular uh, sentence, sentence one. Of course I want to forgive, but I do not want to do only that. I want my specialness too, to luxuriate in its pleasures every once in a while. I will read the text and do the workbook lessons faithfully, but I will do my specialness thing as well, making the body real and ignoring the mind where salvation is. And this is his comment on sentences three and four. He says, with the earlier lessons, Jesus has been training our minds to understand that the problem is within, not in our bodies or brains. Jesus's purpose in A Course in Miracles is presenting us with the two diametrically opposed teachers, asking us to make the only meaningful choice open to us, heaven or hell, God or the ego, happiness or misery. Any comments, further comments on that one? Meat loves, meat loves song. I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> uh, I'll do anything for love, but I'm not giving up my specialness. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Anyone else? Okay, let's go on to paragraph six. And uh, Julie, could you please read paragraph six for us? Hi, sorry. I have a new <laughs> laptop and I couldn't unmute myself. Um, and there are times when I should be muted, but um, not when we're reading. Okay. Um, how can you escape all this? Very simply, the idea for today is the answer. Only God's plan for salvation will work. There can be no real conflict about this because there is no possible alternative to God's plan that will save you. His is the only plan that is certain in its outcome. His is the only plan that must succeed. Well, I, I just um, come back. I don't have anything new. I just come back to... Um, the big lesson for me is the insanity of what I've been doing, um, expecting things. It's like the 12-step, and correct me if I don't get this right, but the insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting the results to be different. Um, back on paragraph three, I have a big frowny face right next to Although this hope has always failed, there is still grounds for hope in other places and other things. Well, that hasn't worked for me real well. I don't know about anyone else. So <laughs> thank you. I Good lesson. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. Any other comments on this paragraph? I just want to say what, uh, what Ken says. Um, he says, the choice is a no-brainer, to use the popular expression. Only one plan will bring the end of misery and pain. However, this makes no sense unless it is recognized that the problem resides in the mind. 
the source of all suffering. Lesson really brings us back to the mind where it always has to be. And um, he points, Ken points it out a lot in this particular. Very grateful to him for that. Any other comments before we move on to paragraph seven? Okay. Um, Chris Jansen, can you read paragraph seven for us, please? Yes. Thank you. Let us practice recognizing this certainty today. And let us rejoice that there is an answer to what seems to be a conflict with no resolution possible. All things are possible to God. Salvation must be yours because of his plan, which cannot fail. So that's very uh, reassuring. We don't have to rely on our own uh, intelligence or uh, experiences or thinking things out. Um, all things are possible to God. Um, and uh, salvation must be mine and ours because of his plan, which cannot fail. So uh, I guess the hard part is just trusting that really, you know, that, that, that there's God that loves me, that is, that is loving it is love, is peace, and I simply have to uh, uh, just relax and release, and all those the, do the three hours, uh, see my uh, brothers and sisters as Jesus sees them. I, everything that comes under that uh, forgiveness category, if I can just do that, I'm I am a home free, and always realizing that um, it's more just been a, <laughs> a seeming long habit to uh, think salvation is in my golf game or in my special other special relationships, uh, food, sports. Uh, the, the only exception to that is uh, the Detroit Lions. They are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and that will be salvation for all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. There's just the one typo in the book he left out. <laughs> and that's only funny to people who were born and raised in Michigan and <laughs> suffered through the Lions for years suffering and years. Suffering is the years. word. Suffering. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you believe in suffering. If the Detroit Lions were to win, it would be like, oh, that suffering I did was worth it. <laughs> I saw another hand up. Did somebody have a hand up? All right, was, let me read. Oh, I was I'm giving sorry. a thumbs Lorraine, up Lorraine to Chris. <laughs> oh, you were okay. All right. Uh, go ahead, Lorraine. Uh, since I wasn't at the retreat and I don't know Marissa's three R's, can you tell me what they are? <laughs> They're actually Beth's three R's. Oh, okay. But she yeah. shared them and we we uh, applied them daily. <laughs> I, I think it's recognize, uh, release, and replace. I, I My last R was relax because that's just, you know, oh. Holy Spirit is guiding me to just chill out with that. So it's recognize the grievance in your mind release the grievance in your mind and then relax because Holy Spirit does the rest. But replace obviously is is uh is better. That's Holy Spirit. Beth says the Jimmy Buffett version of the three R's. 
That it is. That it is. <laughs> Thank you. I think Bruce should come up with three R's for the ego. Something like ridiculous, repeat, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I'll I'll work on that. <laughs> Anyone else? Any com comments? Okay, this is what Ken has to say about this paragraph. He, uh, he says, the joy of making the right choice is our ultimate motivation in making it. The end of conflict is the end of pain and misery and the beginning of joy and happiness. Jesus never tires of reminding us of the joyous result of choosing the answer. And I think most of us really, I mean, if you're forgiving, you're, I mean, I know I experienced peace. And that is my motivation to continually forgive. Um, certainly when I compare the peace of the Holy Spirit to the pain and misery of um of the ego, I'm just going to repeat Ken's. It's a no-brainer. Why would we keep anything else? So that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, I, I compare the peace to, to the pain and misery, and, and there's my choice. Any comments, other comments about paragraph seven before we go to paragraph eight? Okay. Paragraph eight. Lisa, can you read paragraph eight for us, please? Sure. <clears throat> Oh, you, um, please have made me do this, by the way, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to have lots of pictures of all of us. The only problem is you're now hiding my digital copy of the, of the work of the workbook. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Cause I couldn't read it all of a sudden it was hiding. Okay. Um, here we go. Begin the two longer practice periods for today by thinking about today's idea and realizing that it contains two parts, each making equal contribution to the whole. God's plan for your salvation will work and other plans will not. Do not allow yourself to become depressed or angry at the second part. It is inherent in the first. And in the first is your full release from all your own insane attempts and mad proposals to free yourself. They have led to depression and anger, but God's plan will succeed. It will lead to release and joy. And yes, when I'm in my right mind, I'm the second part makes me happy. I'm glad that my plan won't work. But when I'm not, then I find that kind of depressing. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is inherent in the first part. God's plan for salvation will work. And I don't need to know what it is. I just need to do my part. So, thanks. Thank you, Lisa. Anyone else? Bruce? Yeah, I was just thinking about that second part. It's like it's the equivalent of it, nothing but the truth is true, which means <laughs> any anything that I uh, have interpreted about my projections, which are also untrue, um, <laughs> is equally fabricated and therefore equally erroneous and forgivable. It's, it's not. It's not. It's. Yeah. I love. I keep loving how Ken always says it's not evil, sinful, or wicked. It's just silly. 
but the silliness then you know erodes the the seriousness of the ego's foundation and it makes it forgivable but as long as i think oh uh, this is a big th big deal i got to fix then i've just keep keep making it real but yeah and, I'm, and we're all working on it <laughs> thanks <laughs> that we are thank you bruce anyone else uh, Abe? <laughs> Yeah, the sentence, uh, God's plan for salvation will work and other plans will not. You know, the first bit, when I got into the course, that's what I thought I was going to get. Yeah, I'm going to learn God's plan for salvation and then I'm good to go. You know, my way to heaven. The second part, on the other hand, is I, I got a gag response. What do you mean? Only God's plan? What about what I want to do and how I want to do it? And, that and that is the the hard part is the, the second bit, uh, letting go of the idea that you can do better than what God can figure out for you. Thanks. Thank you, Abe. Anyone else? Uh, I was thinking that the the other plans kind of break down into two categories: the special love, where I stop beating my head against the wall for a few seconds and I find a few crumbs that I feel better for a while, and then the special, hey, I just kill you outright. <laughs> I just kill you. I take away the problem. I kill you. I kill you. <laughs> so, I mean, those are really the other plans. And that's what I'm invested in. A few, uh, you know, whatever the special love, the few crumbs I'm going to get to feel better for a little while. Or I just take care of the problem, period. <laughs> just punish you, put you in jail, whatever it is you, I need, you need to stop you from doing to me what you're doing to me. Those are the two plans. Those are the other plans. You put it like that, that sounds pretty crazy that we're invested invested in either one of those, which obviously don't work. <laughs> when we step back from them, we see they obviously don't work. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jim. Marissa? Yeah, I just wanted to mention about what Abe said, um, that he, you know, when he first started his journey that he wanted God and then he realized, oops, <laughs> I want my plan <laughs> that through, throughout millennia, Christ, Christians, Jews, Muslims, everyone thinks they're following God's plan, but they're following their ego's plan and how the awareness of that, Abe, that you have that oops, you know, wait, I, I just chose, that's because you know what you chose, <laughs> that the love is there. And that's like terrifying um, when you realize it, that, 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 that's the goal. When the ego realizes that's the goal. Yeah. Thank you, Marissa. Anyone else? David? Yeah, I think he's just talking about the atonement here. When we thought we separated, no, he didn't. And that's all he's asking us to do, right? Only the truth is true. And to just look at that and let it go, get back to the peace, you know? Yeah. Thank you, David. I think Steve said something a while back. No. <laughs> Change your mind. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. 
Um, okay, I'm going to read Ken's comments for paragraph eight. Um, these, uh, this first comment is on paragraph uh, sentences one and two. And a lot of you commented on this one. He says the second clause in that paragraph and that sentence two is the killer calls it. We would be willing to accept the first if we did not also have to accept the second. Unfortunately for our ego, salvation makes no compromise. These lines reflect the uncompromising nature of the Course's thought system. Truth is true and nothing else is. Christ is our a true identity. The ego is the illusion. Exactly what Lynn was talking about. It is very uncompromising. And then for uh, sentences three through six, he says, anger and depression arise at this stage because we still want to do things our way. When we feel anxious or depressed, rather than go within and ask Jesus for help to undo the thoughts that led to the unpleasant pleasant feeling, we choose to cover them by indulging ourselves in a special relationship. This is the origin of all addictions with people or substances. The pain is too great, and instead of resolving it in the mind, the source of our distress, we use the body to dull the pain. Insisting that the ego's plan will bring us happiness and relief ensures that the pain will always be there, albeit appearing in different forms. Any comments, further comments about this? Okay, all right. So let's take a look at paragraph nine. Um, Betsy, would you read paragraph nine for us, please? Sure, thank you. Remembering this, let us devote the remainder of the extended practice periods to asking God to reveal his plan to us. Ask him very specifically, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? Give him full charge of the rest of the practice period and let him tell you what needs to be done by you in his plan for your salvation. He will answer in proportion to your willingness to hear his voice. Refuse not to hear. The very fact that you are doing the exercise proves that you have some willingness to listen. This is enough to establish your claim to God's answer. Thanks. Thank you, Betsy. Any comments on this, on paragraph nine, Bruce? This, those, those three italicized lines seems like a, an obvious um, opportunity for level confusion. I have to remember, it's like, what would you have me, a silly seemingly separate self do? Well, nothing. What would you have? What would you have my seemingly silliest separate self go nowhere? <laughs> what would you have my silly seemingly separate self say and to whom? Well, nothing. But but if I can just allow, you know, get get the heck out of the way, you know, then um, I don't have to worry about all that stuff. As that that wonderful prayer says earlier in the text. Yeah. So just I have just just get myself out of the way. <laughs> but but let's be willing to listen and. And not interfere. Yeah, thanks. And then at the me where the decision maker then is, where would you have me? What would you have me do? Well, forgiveness. <laughs> Go back. 
where would you have me go? Well, back to the mind, because you're mm -hmm. a citizen anyway. You're just pretending you're not in it. And what would you have me say and to whom? Well, you're sinless. You're sinless. <laughs> no problem. We're all sinless. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tim. Lynn? Yeah, and it, and it doesn't mean that we won't go anywhere, say anything, or do anything, but it will all be in service to the Holy Spirit. It will be the right use of the body as an instrument of communication. It will be, and it will, it will all come from that peace, and it will be imbued with that peace. It, everything will have the scent of peace, as Muji says, the scent of who we are is peace. And um, so it's not my will of what I want to do, but now it's the Holy Spirit's God's will, which is to unite our will with the will of God is really Jesus' mission to unite our wills. Early on, he tells us that. Oops. <laughs> I mean, that is like, oh my God, the fear of not having my own way is just, again, what is service to this Holy Spirit going to look like? I want to know what it's going to look like. Well, it's going to be a surprise. It's going to be my life. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be life itself. That is life. Thank you, Lynn. Lorraine, did you have your hand up? Thank you. I just wanted to say with, you know, all this talk of the plan, God's plan and where I go to automatically is my to-do list and I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that and that's going to make me happy and this future and yet these questions and the plan is only about this moment. What would you have me do now? Where would you have me go now? You know, it's like return just now. The plan is now that I accept the atonement. It's the journey without distance or time. There is no plans for the future <laughs> if I'm aligned. <laughs> Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you. Stephen? Um, yeah, a great class. So many things keep coming can, coming up from, from so many of y'all uh, that, uh, that that are tweaking me in, in, uh, in egoic directions. Uh, but I'm staying with uh, um, uh, the most recent uh, thing that I've been doing, and that is uh, my mind holds only what I think with God. We got to get back to the to the mind. We we have to we have to be there as much as possible. And uh, you know, often uh, in the morning in quiet time, uh, ego makes suggestions as to what I should be doing that day. Like today, I, I really need to stay present. I need to get that, or or you know, even even the forgiveness thing. It's the best one. You know, look and wait. And judge not uh let all things be as 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 they are uh you know all that there is nothing to fear i mean uh, ego will pick one it seems but actually it's me uh just trying to get back to the right mind 
my mind uh, holds only what I think with God. Um, that one came up a few weeks ago, and I went, oh, wait a minute, this might be the one. And the reason I, I did that is, you know, go back to the happy learner. First thing you got to do is look at the misery. You know, you want to be a happy learner? You have to look. You have to keep looking. And Watnick says over and over and over, what do you do? Uh, you know, what do you do? Be kind and just look. And so what's been happening for me is I'm looking at all the thoughts that I can get to in any given moment. Almost none of them are thinking that is happening with God. Almost all of them are, what am I going to do next? Am I going to go to the pharmacy or the grocery store? You know, I'm gonna, am I going to call this guy and help him out because he really needs the help? You know, am I going to go, go to, a, to the class on time? Or I'm going to get this thing done, you know, and today it was that one. Uh, but I, I keep looking at the thoughts and I keep looking at the thoughts. And what what's what's happening with that is I'm staying at the decision maker. Each time I do that, I'm staying at the decision maker. Very frustrating. Almost none of the thoughts that I think are with God. Um, and and that frustration, he goes, goes, gotcha. You know, yeah, you're doing this, this only things. Gotcha. Gotcha. All day long. And that's okay because that's the way it works. But as long as I'm going to the decision maker and doing something uh, just with the mind, uh, then, then uh, that, that's, uh, that's perfect for me. Uh, and one more thing, uh, you know, we, I take this so seriously, you know, but this, uh, you know, this Super Bowl thing. Oh, good golly. Uh, you, you know, uh, I, I, thought, I thought, well, the saint, well, saints, that's in the, that's in the course, you know. So, uh, and I, and I was gonna, I was gonna tell, uh, tell Chris, well, uh, and, and lions, nope, it's not in the course. But I just looked at it; it's in there twice, you know, that lion lamb thing, you know, and commanders, yeah, commands in there. Chief is probably in there too, uh, you know. So, even when I think I'm right, I am really so wrong. Uh, good to see y'all this morning. Really good class. Stephen, can you tell me the two places in the courts where lions is? Because I want to cross it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yo, that wasn't serious, was it? No. <laughs> it's a web edition. You can get it in 45 seconds. Uh, possibly tw 20. Go ahead, Barbara. I'm sure there's some variation of Packers in the course. <laughs> and dolphins and cardinals. <laughs> yes, Bruce. I, I did look up the two references. The first one is chapter three, section one. The lion and the lamb lying down together symbolize that strength and innocence are not in conflict, but naturally live in peace. But what comes to mind when I first hear that is Woody Allen's comment about when the lion, the lion and the lamb shall lie down together, but the lamb won't get much sleep that night. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Any final comments before we close? I'm still freaking out that Marissa said Jesus called us farting pigs. <laughs> I took it to mean that that's how we let go. It's as simple as that. <laughs> But if you want to take on that identity, Tim. So you're relating a flagellance to a grievance. I, I see that. 
releasing your grievances. Yeah. <laughs> I get the correlation. Probably should stop short of making football jerseys with that that name, right? <laughs> I took it to mean our entire investment. Yeah. Anyone else? All right, I'm just going to read the last paragraph for a final meditation. <clears throat> uh, go ahead and do what you do to relax. In the shorter practice, practice periods, tell yourself often that God's plan for salvation and only his will work. Be alert to all temptation to hold grievances today and respond to them with this form of today's idea. Holding grievances is the opposite of God's plan for salvation and only his plan will work. Try to remember today's idea some six or seven times an hour. There could be no better way to spend a half minute or less than to remember the source of your salvation and to see it where it is. Take a couple minutes or a couple seconds, excuse me, to think on that. Gently come back. As always, thank you so much for your input, for your teaching. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. I'm grateful to all of you. Thanks, Beth. Thank you, Beth. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. It was everyone. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Love holds no grievances. That's our no grievances against the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> That's Denver for you non-football people. <laughs> Here, even I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> even I knew that. <laughs> Denver always has the nuggets. They don't need the Broncos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go is, is nuggets in the course? Where's <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Bruce? Right. You need to look that up. Bye, all you nuggets. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love holds no grievances. Thank you. <laughs>